passionate worship. Uh, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Is the NIV version for all of you that are wondering where I'm reading from. Uh, Isaiah 6 and 1 NIV. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted. King James says lifted up, seated on the throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole, the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among, among a people of unclean lips. And mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to, to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. Can somebody declare passionate worship? Passionate worship. Let's just recap for like five minutes. We talked Sunday about um, if you're going to be transformed, if you're going to be made a newborn again, two things have to happen. The first thing is that you have to receive a new heart. Your heart has to be made over, uh, and, and we talked about that the heart talks about the inner man, the mind or mindset, uh, the understanding of a man, the inner part of a person, the way of thinking, the way of thinking, even moral character. So if you're going to be transformed, the first thing you're going to have to do is you're going to have to allow God to deal with all the parts of your heart. And, and more specifically, we, we were dealing with on Sunday, the heart includes the mind and the will. The mind and the will. Your mind and your will has to be transformed if you're going to be made over. Yes. Second thing we said is you're going to have to receive from his spirit. Yes. So then we talked about and gave you three things about what passionate wor worship is and what it does. We said, first of all, we said that passionate worship honors God's presence. Yes. Say passionate worship, passionate worship honors the presence of God. So what we talked about on Sunday was we asked and we said the number one question that comes up when we speak is, what do you want? What do you want? What are you after? If you can define, and, and every person in here should be able to define in one sentence what their life represents. What does your life represent in one sentence? You should be able to write that down. You should have a vision for your life. My, my life, rep, uh, I, I, I am alive to number one, worship God and live for him. And then I'm alive to be the best husband that I can possibly be. Then I'm alive to be the best father that I can to my children. Finally, I'm alive to make sure that anyone I come in contact with, I bring them into the presence of God. So in, in just a couple of sentences, you should be able to define why you're alive. Death, a lot of us don't understand how, how big a deal destiny plays in our everyday life. There are some things that I don't even need to be involved in because it doesn't match up or line up with the destiny that God has for me. So if, so if I know why I'm alive, if I know why God called me to live, if I have those things in the forefront of my mind, if I have my priorities straight, then there are certain things that I'm not even going to indulge in because it doesn't line up with where I'm going. Yes. You ever talk to someone and you say, oh, this is a good business opportunity, and they said, no, nah, it ain't for me. Right. You ever heard anybody say, oh, that, that's, that, that's not something I want to get involved in. And you're like, but you can make good money doing this. 
The issue is what, what most people who make money, what they say is, if I'm not passionate about it, I'm not going to get involved in it. Because if you're not passionate, you're going you're gonna to give a lackluster performance with anything that you're involved in. This is why a lot of people go to work and because what their, what their job is, 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 uh, has nothing to do with what their heart is, is, is beating for. So you go to work, you don't feel like getting up in the morning. We're quiet. Come on. This has nothing to do with my purpose, nothing to do with my aim, nothing to do with my goals. So I'm just going to a place every day because I need this check. This is a big check. This is a good check. But I'm not connected to the place. I'm not connected to the people, and you'll now, now hear this. You'll never be connected to people if, you, if you're not connected to purpose. Right. I don't care what you're doing. If you're not connected, if you, if you have no purpose, you'll never be connected to people. Right. So it's hard for people to work in ministry when they have no purpose. Right. <laughs> because guess what? If you, if you work in a ministry, you have a purpose, you're going to have to be connected to people in order to pursue purpose. Yeah. You're going to need somebody to help you to fulfill purpose for whatever God calls your destiny. So if your purpose is winning souls for Christ, Jesus sent them out two by two. Why? Because somebody has to be able to guard your back with so much intensity as you're moving forward and doing what you're doing. Somebody has to look behind you to make sure that no, nothing is coming to hit you from behind. Armor bearers in the Bible had, had this task because they had to be passionate about not being the king. Not being the one in charge, but playing the role of guarding the back so that all of us can continue to go forward. That was the goal of an arm bearer. The cup bearer, oh God. The, cup, the job of the cup bearer to the king was to taste everything before the king. So I'd rather give my life and taste this. And if it kills anybody, it kills me. But the kingdom has to keep going on. So I'll be the one to, 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 to taste everything. And, and if anybody's going to die, it's going to be me so that the kingdom and the king can keep going forward. We don't have very much people who are, who are passionate about the kingdom of God. We're passionate about our own interests. We're not, come on, amen. We're only passionate when something is in it for us. If I'm going to get something out of this deal, ooh, I'm all in. At the end of this, God's going to give me a car or I'm in. You mean tell me, all I got to do is be faithful for a week and God's going to give me a job? Hey, I'm all in. What do you need? Here am I. So we said, so, so we said, <laughs> we said that, uh, Lord Jesus, passionate worship honors God's presence. Second, we said that passionate worship will cause your heart to be humbled. Passionate worship causes your heart to be humbled. All right. Um, we talked about pride on Sunday yes. and how uh, as a result of getting breakthrough and getting in the presence of God in worship, the first thing that God's going to do is he's going to start showing you yourself the way he sees you. People who don't worship always have a different version of who they are to people. Yes. I can always tell people that don't worship because I say, what do you think about, about what you said? Well, I don't see nothing wrong with it. I'm cool with it. I'm fine with it. People who don't worship, now think about this. People who don't worship have a hard time estimating themselves. Because the, I'm telling you, if you really get in worship, I mean, honestly, get in worship with God and start really worshiping the Lord, I love you, and all of it is towards him. What you're starting to do is you're starting to leave out of what you think about you. And the Bible said, if you draw nigh to God, that's worship to him. He will draw nigh to you. Now watch this. When you worship, what are you doing? You're estimating to him who he is to you. But when you start, if you sow that, he's going to start estimating back to you who you are to him. He's going to start letting you know what he feels about you 
just like you're telling him all the stuff that you can recall and think about and tell him about how you love him and how you honor him and how there's nobody like him he's going to start telling you what he thinks about you to you what he thinks about you here now i hear what you're telling me about me but let's work on this attitude let's work on this mindset most people in church don't worship because everybody has their own agenda okay all right, so, so uh, what we said on Sunday is you confront your pride through worship. Pride is confronted or challenged when, when a person has to be expressive to God through worship, and especially corporately. A lot of people say, I worship God in my own private time. I give God my worship when I'm alone with him. If that's the truth, then you will have no problem corporately getting on your knees possibly laying out before him opening your mouth and telling him how much you honor him and worship him how, how much he's how, how good he is to you you'll have no problem doing that amongst believers if you do it in your private time so worship here is just is just a, a reflection or a mirror of how you spend time with God personally daily weekly if there's no personal time in, in giving God worship and spending time in his presence, then when you come here, you're going to be dead as a door in there. You're going to be like a zombie. Yeah. Amen. Until we say, stand on your feet, and you start seeing people move around, you're like, oh, okay, let's get up then. Because it shows that, that in your private time, there hasn't been a heart or an appetite for his presence. So the Bible says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's an appetite. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst, not after a car, not after the next relationship, not after getting your hair done and your nails, are, not after all, but there's a hunger and a thirst. And now think about this. When you're hungry, I mean truly hungry, you could be dead tired, but wake up out your sleep to go downstairs and make a sandwich. Hunger moves you. Hunger propels you. Thirst propels you. Let you really be thirsty. You'll be like, look, I got to get some water somewhere. You won't just sit up in your bed and, you, and you, you, you can barely swallow pins in your throat. Tell me, I, I'll just sleep through it. No, no, you're going to get up. I don't care how tired. You, even if you close your eyes and find your way down the steps. Find your way to your kitchen. You're going to go after what you're hungering and thirsting after. A lot of people are hungry to see new movies. So you know what we do? We make time to go sit in the movie there for three hours and watch the Avengers. Come on. We, 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 we move things in our schedule out the way to go on dates and it's been time and to do come on, all this stuff. You, you spend time. You put your name on the list and walk through the mall because they're sure it's going to take 40 minutes for your nails for them to call you for your desk. And you put a time on your phone and walk around the mall because you, you don't want to miss your spot. You'll come right back. Is it time yet? If you're really hungry and you go to your favorite restaurant and it's always going to be a 45 minute wait, you want to do that? You'll be like, okay. Give me a little buzz and let it buzz me. Because it's something you desire. So you're willing to sacrifice for what you desire. And most people will sacrifice in the natural for what they desire. But what they don't realize is that God has a desire for them in the spirit. He longs to spend time with us. He wants to spend time with us. It's not always, now if we can be honest, it's not always our desire to reciprocate that time being spent with him. Let's be honest. It's not. A, it's not. That's not the normal thing. You wake up in the morning always thinking. Sometimes you wake up thinking, "Oh, I'm late for work. I gotta get here. I gotta. I got. Oh, oh God. Your, your mind is everywhere. But but the moment you get back into, I want you. You come right back into the same frequency as God, and that's the time it is. I've been waiting for you. 
I've been waiting for this time. I've been waiting for you to get your heart aligned with me, waiting for your mind and your will to come into alignment with who I am. And, 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 and watch this. And he rewards us when we put everything aside and say, I'll get to that, I'll get to that, I'll get to that. And the only thing I want is you. Let me get your prayer. See, see, when you do that, his presence shows up. It's always harder to, to feel God's presence whether you're at home in prayer, whether you worship, whether you're meditation, whatever you're doing. It's hard to feel God's presence when your mind and your will are all over the place. So, so any, anybody, any of my prayer warriors, anybody who prays, you will know this. If you're in prayer school, y'all understand what I'm talking about. It'll take you a good 15, 20, even 30 minutes to get everything out the way in your mind. To fight through the, the mind and, and the will being on food and work tomorrow and I got to get Junior's clothes ready. Oh, they got a field trip. I got to go to the store. You're going to have to fight through all of those things and move them out the way on purpose because the only goal is I want all of that out the way so that I can spend uninterrupted time with him. Yes. Say uninterrupted. uninterrupted. Let's say you're on a date and the whole time you're on a date, the person you're on a date with is talking to you or you're talking to the person, you know, I just, I really think you're nice. Now, hold up a second. Let me get the phone out. Oh, oh, what'd you say? Oh, yeah, I, I think you're wonderful too. And, oh, hold, hold up. Yeah. And they do this for 15 minutes and then they talk, then they halfway hear what you're saying. And then, they, and then, okay, are you finished? Yeah, I'm finished. And then I just want to say that you're just so beautiful. I'm just so happy to spend this time. Oh, oh, hold, oh one more thing, okay eventually the person is going to get so aggravated with the fact that they don't have your what? Attention. That even if you finish the date, there probably won't, there won't likely be a second date. Unless you're desperate. Come on, y'all understand what I'm saying? There won't be, because what they're showing you from the beginning is, I don't value your time. Now think about how God feels about how we value the time he has given us. Remember we talked a couple weeks about worship and how the Bible talks about he breathed the breath of life into us and I told us that we're on borrowed breath. It's God's breath he breathed into us and with the breath he gave us, we can't honor him enough to take time out of every day to put everything aside, to turn the phone off, to not worry about the TV, tell your children, go and watch some television, do something over here, do something. And when everybody's gone, instead of washing clothes first and, 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 and eating and cooking, put all that to the side and say, I'm going to spend the next 35, 40 minutes in your presence. I want you. Because the same way we are with people is the same way God is with us. He's a jealous God, not just over the people that we put in front of him, watch this, but the things we put in front of him. It's hard to worship God when you're trying to wash clothes, clean the room, halfway watching something, looking at apps on your phone, in the middle of all that, Father, I worry, oh God, I feel your presence, oh glory to God. Because if you really start feeling his presence, you're going to stop and cut off the presence and quench the Holy Ghost because something is going to interrupt you. Oh, I just heard the buzzer on the machine. I got to go over and check this. Somebody texted me. And what, what do we say? I'll get back to you, God, in a little bit. And, and truthfully, does that ever happen? Never happens. It never happens because the, the only this is the thing. When you get distracted and you allow distraction to be the entrance to, to cut off your time with God, another distraction comes, another distraction comes, another distraction. And we don't see them as distractions. What we see them as is these are things that are just happening. They're happenings. No, they're distractions. So a lot of us don't cut off our phones when we pray. 
because we don't want to miss nothing. Okay, I did. A lot of us don't. We, we, you, you, you pray in the, in the presence of God, but got Facebook wide open. Like, oh, just in case something pop up, I need to see something. Okay. All right. So we left off with this. That passionate worship, number three, passionate worship causes you to sacrifice. When you learn how to sacrifice your time to get in worship with God, you will eventually have major encounters with him. Hebrews 11 and 6 says this. It puts it clearly. He that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. Watch this. Of them that what? Diligently. You know what the word diligent means? It means giving constant and careful and steady attention to something. Giving. Everybody say constant, careful, and steady attention. That means, watch this. I don't allow distractions to stop me from what I'm doing. In other words, it means, watch this, you know what you want, you go after what you want, and you refuse to stop until you get what you desire. That's a person that's diligent. So, so all of us can, can say we're diligent for money, for our money in the week, during the week. Ain't nothing going to stop you from going to work. A cough, a headache, a fever. Hives, shingles, you'd be like, work, don't touch me. Because you might catch something, don't touch me. That poison ivy, I don't know what it is, but don't touch me, I'm here to do a job. Because you don't want that check to be messed up on Friday. Y'all, come on, let's be honest. You'll sack, I told you last week, y'all laughing, but it's true. You'll be right at work. Bishop can't make it tonight. Just let you know. Not feeling well. <laughs> Meanwhile, you got five more hours at your job, at your cubicle, that you push and sacrifice through. Now, don't come here with shingles and, 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 and chicken pox. But the bishop said, come to church, and I got, you know, just don't touch me. Quarantine me. Put me in the back over there with, with Brother Dequan in the back, Deacon Dequan in the back. He's like, no, that's off limits, too. <laughs> Go to Isaiah 6, our, 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 our key verse for today. Let's talk a little bit about this tonight. I want you to see what happens when we worship. What happens when we worship? Isaiah the prophet Isaiah is going through a worship experience with God, and we'll probably just end with this. We'll probably end with this tonight because I'm not going to keep us during the summer. I'm not going to keep us very long um, in Bible study. I want us to hear God, and I want us to go home and to practice what God is saying to us this summer. Most of us don't go home, pull the word back up, get the download, watch it on, on Facebook, and practice and go back through the scriptures to see if what I'm preaching and teaching to you is really of God. Do that. Go home and study the scriptures. Study the notes that I give you. The stuff I tell you to write down, check it against the word of God. You have to do this because this causes you to grow in whatever's being preached and taught. Most of us, we don't grow in a series, and we stay on a series for 7, 8, 9, 10, sometimes 11 weeks. And if we're on it that long, you should grow in it until it becomes a part of your arsenal. Work, come on, this is why I don't just jump this Sunday, praise, next Sunday, the, the, the scarlet, the, 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 what scarlet means, and next Sunday, sin, the next week, mine, the next week. Uh, the, the, we don't do that. We want to stay on stuff until it becomes a part of our arsenal. Until you, can, until you can spit the scripture out about what it is we're teaching and preaching about. Until it becomes a part of your lifestyle. Worship, we, this is a mini-series, but, but even in the mini-series, you've got enough information about how to worship God to do it on a daily basis and watch your relationship with God go up a notch and up a notch. And you can go as high as you want if you, if you keep worshiping. The thing that makes me who I am in God has nothing to do because uh, I, I saw somebody put a post up this week 
on Facebook, one of my uh, uh, apostle friends, and said, um, um, uh, when God elevates you, he doesn't elevate you based off of time served. God ain't giving you no title because you've been here a long time and you've been faithful every day coming to church. No. There has to be a depth that comes to you. The depth in the relationship causes him to, not just, he says, do the work of the evangelist. Do the work of the prophet. Do the work, in other words, what he wants to know is before you, because people are clamoring for titles, but don't do the work of. What good is it to have a title, but you don't put the work behind the title? They won't even hire you at a job unless you are able to put the, we have to be able to, okay, we're going to bring you in this job. We're going to call you this executive administrative assistant over here. But then we want, we're going to, we're going to put you on a probationary period. Because what we want to know is that the title matches your work ethic. The title has to match your works. You can't say you're administrative assistant and you're sending out stuff and everything is misspelled. When you got spell check on the same computer, you can't work Word, you can't work Excel, you can't work nothing. You asking everybody in the tech room, hey, how you, how you open up uh, Excel? What you do with these boxes here? They don't look at you like, what is your title? Administrative assist- assistant to the president of a company? Ooh, you in trouble. <laughs> you in trouble. Why? Because you're, you're holding a title, watch this, that your work can't back up. And you want to you know what? People can call you whatever they want to call you. But what, now watch this, what does heaven call you and how does hell view you? What does heaven call you and how does hell view you? Because you best to believe if you are operating under a title that you have not matured into yet, the fight that's going to come on your life is going to be against everything in you that has the brakes on. If God calls you it, he's expecting you to grow into it. Y'all quiet. Y'all hear me? Call yourself whatever, chief arch apostle. Supersonic archbishop apostle, elect of the most high, holy faith. Whatever you want to call yourself, that's fine. But does your work not works, not I can cast out devils, I can lay hands on the sick, because guess what, people are going to do that and they're going to get up in front of him, he's going to say depart from me and they're going to do it in his name and he's going to say I never knew you because the work that has to be put in to whoever God is calling you and whoever help, and whatever hell recognize you as is this, does watch this, does your work ethic with him the relationship is the depth of your relationship equal the depth of your calling does the depth of your relationship equal the depth of your calling? God can, you can be called to be anything. You can be called to be a, a, a few things. Your calling, could be to, your calling may be to be great in the kingdom. But based on your relationship, the calling means nothing if the relationship isn't just as equal of importance to you to God. So if you're taking notes, write this down. How deep is my relationship? How deep is my relationship with God? And not how deep is my gifting with God. You know what? The deeper your relationship comes, you don't have to even work on gifting. The more, you, no, I'm serious, the more you get in a relationship with God, and why am I talking about this? Because all of this starts with worship. That's what makes me who I am. Because I get up every day, and I don't, I don't, I don't say I'm getting up today to spend 85 hours in prayer. I get up, to, I get up and say, I want to worship you. 
and worship will take me into places. Worship will lead me to repentance. For stuff that I didn't even know I did. You know, everybody be like, I ain't do that. I ain't do that. You, you really might be blind to yourself because in this area you have a pride about who you think you, who you believe you are. But get in the worship. I guarantee you, your eyes will be like, oh, God, I did do this. Oh, Lord, I am a little jacked up in this area. God will show yourself. And he doesn't show yourself for you to be, I'm just a man. I can't do nothing right. I can't, I, don't use me for nothing, Bishop. Don't use me for nothing. I'm just, God, show me me. Oh, Lord. No, he shows you yourself because what he wants you to do is stay in worship and admit. Admit, I got a problem here. If the church can just say we got a problem, I got. If the church can just admit, in this area, in giving, I'm stingy. As far as giving goes, I've been giving a dollar for 10 years. I am, I'm a stingy Christian. But I'm stingy with God. I'm not stingy on myself. Like, if you could just be honest like that, then God can help you. I have my, fav- my, my own favorites. I got my favorites. I only like dealing with these four people. Everybody else, I'm a little more biased. We don't want to do that. Because we think to do that means that God's going to throw us away. When the truth is to do that means God's going to pull you closer. Remember, remember, y'all remember our scripture from last, last week? It says God desires truth on the inward parts. God wants you to be truthful in your, in your soul, in your mind, in your will. And even emotionally truthful. You ain't get on my skin. I, I'm fine. Well, you're lying emotionally. Because we can see something is wrong. Your eyes wouldn't tear up if you was fine. You ever had an argument with somebody? I'm like, yeah, I don't need you anyway. I'm fine without you. I, God, I, God got me. He's got me in his hand. You think, well, if he got you, why are you so upset? If God really got you, then why are you so, why you got tears? Because I'm upset with what you're saying about me doing to me. No. Emotionally, there's a breakdown. If you're taking those, write, down, write this down. God wants me to be honest with me first. God wants me to be honest with me first. You can't even be honest in a relationship until you're honest with yourself. Because you want, you want to know what a relationship is going to do? A relationship is going to call up everything that you're not honest with. <laughs> a real relationship, a friendship is going to call up stuff that you don't even see. Okay, if you got a real friend, a real friend is going to tell did you see how you just acted? No, I ain't see nothing. I'm good with all this. I'm fine with this. I'm good with everything I said. You good with everything you said? What does the Bible say about what you said? God says, for me to deal with things, you know, you're making those scriptures. God said, deal with things the way I need to deal with it, because if I don't deal with it, then the rocks are going to cry out. Now, that ain't what he said. A real friend, now watch this. Bible said a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. So watch this. You don't have a friend if a friend can see you saying or doing something that's detrimental to you and they sit back and co-sign with your foolishness. That's why people try to use that thing. I'm just by myself. It's just me and Jesus because people don't understand me. They just don't get me. No, no, no. You don't like to be confronted about who you are. Because a real, the job of a friend is to tell you, do you see that? Did you see that attitude? That's why before you get married, you, they have to become your friend 
before they become your lover. Because once, once you start getting love mixed up in there, you get all blinded, jacked up. And like, oh, I don't know. Everybody blind. And the blind lead the blind, and we all end up in the ditch. Because you think it with other parts of your body than your brains and your spiritual mindset. Y'all understand what I'm saying? You get very, it's like emotions run rampant when sex is involved. Y'all don't like the, y'all don't hear me. You dummy down truth because you ain't thinking from godly wisdom. You thinking from tonight. <laughs> Tonight's the night. You're thinking from another place. Friendships, friendships are even great because the reason for friendships is to keep you sharp. Iron sharpening iron is a friend or someone who is in relationship with you sharpening a part of you that's dull. So, so the more time I spend with you, the more I hear you talk, I have to be a person of the word if I'm going to be your friend. Because if not, I will try to shape you into who I think you ought to be and not help you to sharpen you into what the word says you ought to be. That's when you start getting into control and manipulation because I don't like the way you said that. Well, you don't have to like it. Well, what does the Bible say about it? Let's come to terms with what the word says. If the word says it, then we can agree that this is what God says about if the, if the, if the Bible says a sharp answer turns, a, a strong, a, 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 what is it? A soft answer turns away wrath and I'm giving hard, sharp answers, then, then, then this is an area that I can take you to and say, do you realize that what you said is sharp? I don't realize. I don't see it as sharp. Okay, if I came to you and said, how you doing? You're like, leave me alone. I don't feel like being bothered. What would you say? You'd be like, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Why would you say what's wrong with you? Because that's a sharp answer, is it not? See, now you have basis. And the Bible says, see, now you got somewhere to go. Right. But if I'm only telling you something based on what I feel about you, because right. I think you ought to be a certain way, then that's manipulation. That is really domination and is what? Witchcraft. Because anytime you want to control somebody's mind or control somebody's response or control somebody how somebody does something, it's witchcraft because God didn't call you to control nobody. Holy Spirit don't even control us. The Bible says they, those that are led, y'all gonna hear me. They say those that are controlled by the Spirit of God. You ultimately turn over your control so that you can be led. Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. Well, somebody telling you what to do is authority. That's a whole other story. The cops ain't controlling you. They have authority over to tell you. If you got a gun, they're going to shoot you. That's authority. Authority says we have rules in place, and if you break the rule, then there's a consequence. We call that control. That's not control. Okay, forget it. Okay. All right, so. Yeah, I just, I'm going to come back to this. In Isaiah 6, Isaiah, look, they, they, that's for a whole other something else. In Isaiah 6, <laughs> the way we look at worship, talks, uh, Isaiah here talks about his worship experience. And he says is that in the, in, the, in the year the king Isaiah died, I got 10 minutes and we're going home, I promise y'all. He says, I saw the Lord, he was seated on the throne, he was high and lifted up and exalted. His train of his robe filled the temple. This is um, Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 4. Uh, he said, and then above him, everybody say above. above. Remember, remember that, that word above. Above him were seraphims each with six wings, with two wings to cover their faces, to cover their feet. And, 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 and with two, they were flying. So if something is flying, where do you have to look? Uh. 
So the moment you start worshiping God, your viewpoint changes the upward. The moment you start worshiping God, your viewpoint changes to upward. He did not say in his worship experience that he was looking down into the devil's cauldron into hell. Most people, most people say, oh, I was worshiping God, and I saw these demons. You wasn't worshiping God. Somewhere there's something contaminated in you. If all you see through your worship experience is demonic forces and presence, demons coming in your room, holding pitchforks up in the air, speaking strange languages, you had There's something in your soul. Now hear me, there's something in your soul that, that, that needs to be dissipated or worked on or, or taken out because if you're having more visitations of demons and demonic entities than you are of angels and of God and of the Holy Spirit and encounters with God, then the issue is there's something in you that is wrong. Somewhere, in your, somewhere you need deliverance. Somewhere you need deliverance if all you having is demonic manifestations and, and, and stuff that you're dealing with seeing demons. Because he said when, when King Uzziah died, in this worship experience, what happened was I saw the Lord and he was high lifted up. He was high lifted up and he says above him were seraphims or angels that were flying in the air. He, his viewpoint went from some, because watch this, Uzziah was, 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 was one that he admired. And he wasn't able to see the Lord because he was looking at Uzziah. His, his eyes were earthly but once the earthly distraction left, his eyes went upward. He's teaching us about worship. Worshiping people will stop you from seeing God. Worshiping things that people say and do will keep you from seeing God. Watch this. You can worship something that someone says, good or bad, so much. You spend so much of your attention on it, so much of your time on it, so much of your energy on it, that when God is trying to woo you into worship, you'll miss God and put him to the side because you're now worshiping something that is on the earth. So this is why you have to guard. I'm going to talk about this probably next week as we end the series. You have to guard your ear gate. You have to guard your eye gate. You have to guard your heart because the Bible said from your heart flows the issues. The issues of your life flow from what's in your heart. Well, what is the gate to your heart? Your ears, your eyes, and your mouth. The thing that protects your, your will and your mind is what you put in your, what you listen to. What you study, what you see, what you read. Right? And it's also what you say out of your mouth. Or what you expect to happen based off of what somebody else has said. We always like to quote this, and I was talking about this yesterday. God has not given the spirit of fear, but the power of love and the sign of mind. We like to quote that one. Our major big one is this. No weapon. This is our favorite scripture. This is our, this is our warfare scripture. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. And we stop there. Like, whew. But what does the rest of it say? And every tongue that rises in judgment, watch this, you shall condemn. You want to know, know why a lot of things that happen and come against you and weapons that are formed end up popping you in the head? You want to know why? Because we don't condemn it. So the weapon is formed and it prospers. Because you only, you only shouted over, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And that's, that was your life. 
You don't go further than that to realize that you have a job to do if the weapon is not going to prosper. You have to condemn everything that has come against you. So you go to the doctor and the doctor says, your mama had cancer, your auntie had cancer, and you're going to be the next one that had cancer. You stop right there and say, I condemn those words. Y'all don't like me tonight. I condemn those words. I don't receive those words. I condemn those words. Cancer ain't going to hit me, my children, or any other generation after me. Why? Because no weapon formed against me is able to prosper. And when I condemn those words, I stop the weapon. So watch this. How many weapons have we not stopped because we haven't condemned what was said? Think about that. You ain't never going to be nothing. Whatever. Walk away. The weapon is formed and it starts prospering. Because you didn't say, even if you don't say it in front of them, look, I'm a, you had a fan of you and they're like, oh, you ain't never going to be nothing. You're just like your daddy. You're like, okay. Go right in that car. I condemn those words. That I just heard you might not have you might not have enough oomph to say it in front of them. Listen, I condemn those words. You're still waiting for a plated line. But when you get back in that, when you leave that line and get back to where you're sitting at, you better come after the words. I condemn those words. The Bible says, in when anything that comes up against you in judgment, you should condemn it so it stops the weapon from being formed and prospering. We don't spend enough time doing that. We get offended. I don't care what you say. And it goes right back to you a hundred times. That's a good word. But what did you stop from hitting you? Right. So, so worship, everybody write this down. Worship brings an upward glance. When, you go, when, when, when you're down and a lot of stuff is happening in your life and it looks like nothing's going to happen good for you, that's the best time to get in worship. Now watch this. You shouldn't wait until stuff starts getting crazy for you to start worshiping God. Like worship is your parachute out of a problem. Worship has to be an everyday occurrence because it keeps your outlook upward. Say worship keeps my outward upward. Outlook upward. Worship keeps my outlook upward. Y'all thought I was giving y'all tongue to us. You're like, somebody else speaking in tongues. Worship keeps my outlook upward. Upward. If you if you if you've been a person that has that that that, that struggles with seeing things in a godly manner or seeing the best out of everything. It's hard for you to, it's hard, it's hard to just wake up one day and just say, all things are going to work together for my good if you've been living and seeing everything work to, against you. If, if, if all from January up until today has been a horrible experience for your life, you're not just going to wake up tomorrow and be like, as of today, things have shifting, shifted for me and I see everything through the lenses of Jesus Christ. It ain't going to happen. You know how you change that? You start worshiping God. Lord, I'm going through the worst year of my life, but I trust you. In previous years, you've made a way for me. I'm not going off of what I see. I'm going off of what he's done. Worship is about his track record with you. This is why you have to get a book somewhere and write down everything you can remember about what he's done. It will aid you in worshiping God because when your mind forgets, you've written it on paper in his presence. So guess what? When I start worshiping God, guess what happens? My mind starts opening up. He starts, you remember this? Oh, God, I forgot about that. Woo! I forgot. See, I'm five cars later, but I remember five cars ago when I got 
got one repoed and a month later you bless me with a brand new one. I forgot about that because I've had so many cars since then. You see what I'm saying? If not, you'll become very bitter with God. A person who's bitter with God, bitter with the church, bitter with their life, bitter with business, bitter with that, is people who don't worship. Because the more you worship, your heart stays open to the possibility that he's the same yesterday, hope, today and forevermore. And if he did it before, come on, Ty Trippin, somebody say he'll do it again. Tell somebody, get ready, he's about to do it again. Woo, go, I feel the glory of God. Some of y'all, the reason why you can't even receive that tonight is because you haven't been in worship long enough. But the moment somebody says and reminds you that God brought you out before, and if he did it before, he, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, somebody say, he has a track record with me. Even if since January 1st you ain't seen nothing good, get ready because you're about to see in another couple of days something start changing. The thing that causes it to change is your thought process as a man thinketh where in his heart what is the heart the mind and the will so is he what does the bible say what did god say to joshua about this he said when you get the book of the law get it in your mouth get it in your heart oh here we go he says, you will make your way. My shot, Taya. This ain't got nothing to do with your family lineage. Ain't got nothing to do with where you're working at. It ain't got nothing to do with how much you got to invest. He said, you will make your way prosperous when the word gets in your mind, gets in your will, gets inside of you, and it comes out of your mouth. Guess what? I don't care what it looks like. God is still in control. I don't care what it looks like. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers us out of the mouth. I don't care what it looks like. God is the same yesterday, today. Once, once the word comes out of you, it changes your mind. When your mind starts changing, everything around you will start changing because it has to respond to the word. Somebody say, speak the word. Remember, remember the servant came and said, my daughter is at home. She's about to die. And, and he said, I don't even need you to come with me. He said, just speak the word. <laughs> speak the word only, and my daughter shall live. If you will, now let me help you. You can be in a hard situation, or you can be getting ready to face a situation. You have the ability, just like our elder brother Jesus, to send the word. Yeah. Hey, glory. Y'all don't even notice how much power is in this. Say, I'm going to send the word. They keep telling you that July is going to be the worst month for you because your benefits ain't going to kick in and this ain't going to happen. Send the word to July. <laughs> the man gives us, a, he gives us an inkling. He gives us something here. He says to Jesus, you don't have to come physically. It's not in your body coming. It's in the word that comes out of your mouth being sent. Send the word to your body. Send the word to your child in another state. Send the word to your job for next year. Send the word to your next house. If you just have enough, the Bible said, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a literal mountain. This ain't figuratively. He said you can tell a mountain to move out the way with just a pin drop of faith. So how much faith do you need to send the word? You just got to believe that the word you're sending is real and valid. If it's valid, somebody say, send it, send it, send it. Some of y'all don't even realize it, but tonight the enemy is afraid of you because you're going to get strength back in your spirit, strength back in your body because you're sending the word into your joint, into your marrow, into your bones. I send the word into my body. Shandaya. When I'm sick, I send the word into my bones. 
I say bones of Herman Crump. He was wounded for your transgressions. He was bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement of your peace was, come on, see. And with his stripes, you are healed. Now receive healing, bones. Receive healing, pain. I break your power, pain. I command his headache to go. Because I'm standing on the word of God. One night I was laying in bed and I thought I was having a heart attack. I thought, I, really, I thought I was having a heart attack. I couldn't move. I laid in the bed. I was going, oh. and I'm thinking, wait a minute, why am I struggling? I sure doesn't. Why am I struggling? Why lay here and die of a heart attack that I didn't even know was happening when all I got to do is just speak the word? All I had in my breath to say was, with the stripes, I'm healed. That's all I had. I couldn't give no more. I couldn't call my wife. I just said, with the stripes, I'm healed. And just like that, the pains were left. I got up and started dancing through my room and went back to sleep. Why am I set up now and be a hoo, hoo, hoo. No, because God has not given me the spirit. See, the spirit of fear, but of when fear leaves, you start walking in your power. You want to be powerful in the kingdom of God? Get rid of your fear. Stop being afraid that all the bad is going to happen to you. Stop being afraid that you ain't going to be able to take care of your family. Stop being afraid that your money is not going to be enough for you. Don't worry about that. Work a job. Do what you got to do. Pay your bills. Live within your means. But let God handle the rest of it. When you walk in, when, watch this, when you walk in fear, you stop operating in power. That, that same word power, dunamis, is, is the same word that says after the Holy Ghost comes, you shall receive power. It's the same power. Power. Everybody say power. power. The same power that you get when you receive the Holy Ghost is the same power that is evident and able to be operated in when you move out of fear. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of dunamis, power. That means explosive energy to do what the enemy says you can't do. Because when you're operating in fear, what does a fear come, come to do? Tell you what you can't do. This is why the Bible says that I can do all things. And, and the Bible says, and because of that, through Paul, they cut up aprons and cloths. And he just put them on his body. And said, okay, take them to the people that are sick. Why? Because he moved out of fear and started operating in power. The church is tired of us start operating in power. Only if we move out of fear. Say, I'm tired of fear. Say, I'm not operating in fear no more. But it gives us power. We operate in power. Love. Watch this. And the sound. That means your heart got to be right. Heart has to be right. We've seen bills that have piled up and with seven children. So God, what are we going to do? I'm going back to work. I go, I go back to work and go, go, to, go to Amazon and work. In the middle, you want to know what happens every time I do this? I'm so serious. Every time I do this, she'll tell you. I go back and start working again in Amazon and make this money. And like two weeks into that, a miracle takes place. You know what God says to me? Why did you doubt me? That don't mean I, 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 I'm not supposed to work. But if the reason I'm running back to get another job, if the reason I'm running to get another job is because I feel like my family's going to go under, then when did I start fearing? Remember we asked Peter this? Peter got off, off the boat, started walking on the water. Then, then he started looking at the winds and the waves and began to sink. Jesus picked him up and they walked back in and Jesus said, when did you, when did you start doubting? 
And why did you doubt? Why did you lose faith? You were so close enough to me that you already started walking towards me. Why did you, what, was he, what he was really saying to him is, why did you get distracted by fear? Why did you get distracted by fear of the waves from, not the waves that weren't coming from me? Because he got back in the boat and rebuked the wind and the waves. Which says that Satan got in the wind because he's a prince in the power of the air. So he kicks up wind to deal with the waves to get you to get your eyes off Jesus who's standing in the midst of all of it, untouched, unbothered. Jesus stood there. What, now watch, what Satan was doing wasn't even bothering Jesus. Waves were hitting him all, all over his head and Jesus standing right there and said, come on. Peter gets out and starts doing it until fear grips him and he looks at the waves coming up. Now, some of y'all, we, 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 we get kind of, uh, Peter, why you look at the waves? Anybody been on a, on a cruise ship and look out there and see the waves? You ever been at the beach and see a big wave coming? And I'm backing up off this in the name of Jesus. I'm, I can't be out here. Right? And, and that's with minimal wind. Imagine a wind storm touching waves and waves the Bible said the waves was coming so, so violently it, they were beating the ship up and the ship was falling into pieces and in the middle of that here comes Peter walking on water in the middle of all the waves seeing the, seeing the ship getting broken oh Lord oh, then he's like this is crazy starts sinking and Jesus said to him why did you doubt why did, when, when did you lose your faith why did your faith fail you Peter for us, looking at that, we were like, shoot, I wouldn't have, made it. I wouldn't even got out of the boat. <laughs> Here's the issue. Here's the issue. What Jesus said to him was this. You started in faith. You saw what your faith could do. You're doing this in faith. Your eyes are on me. Why in the world would you move your eyes off of what is causing you to do something supernatural that you've never done before and look at the distractions of the winds and the waves. Why, now this is what Jesus was asking him. Why was the winds and the waves a priority for you? Or, or, or why, do we, why do we magnify the negative in a faith situation? Why do we magnify how bad things are when we're still alive and God's working. Why do we spend so much time crying about the money we don't have rather than praising him for the money he's already sent? Because we look at how much we have and it's just two steps worth of faith. I'm not at Jesus over there by the, by, by the, by the iPad yet. I've only got, two, I only got 200 of 2,000. If he can give you 200, he can make up the other. Come on here. You had nothing on the boat. You had nothing over here. You got your eyes on him and took two steps and got $200. Why not praise him for the two steps and stay in faith to get the rest? Why are you trying to pack up and run? Why are you trying to leave? He, somebody say, God's just getting started. We miss the possibility of what God can do because we, we sink too quickly. You want to know what he was telling them? Your eyes had to stay in a place in order for you to keep doing something supernatural. 
what Peter was supposed to do was to get out the boat and walk over to Jesus. Now, when he got to Jesus, I don't know what he was planning on doing with him. Like, come on, critical thinking of the word. What was Jesus really going to do after Peter? He said, come. When Peter would walk over to Jesus, what they were going to do? Dance in the water? Like, like, what were they going to do at that point? Take a victory lap around the boat? I don't know. But we don't understand what happened, what was going to happen, because Jesus had to cut that short to come back and save Peter and bring him with his no faith having self back on the boat to show him maybe maybe what Jesus would have done if y'all walk with me here for a minute maybe what Jesus would have done was from the place of the middle of the ocean with Peter standing by him rebuke the winds and the waves to show Peter and give him a template for what he has to do from now on because it's not the only time that on a boat and winds and waves are beating the ship up it happens again and again. Why? Because there was something that was supposed, he was supposed to learn from the first time. So you, do you see the cycle? Jesus let them get on the boat another time. And the winds and the waves come. And here comes Jesus walking by them. And they're like, save us! He goes, why? Why y'all messed up? Okay. And, and, and then the Bible said, and then Jesus said, Jesus said, let's go to the other side. And they, they were already on the other side. Now another time, they're in the boat. And the, and the winds and the waves are coming. And Jesus is in the boat with them sleeping. Three times. At least three times we see this in the word. They're on the boat. Jesus sleeping in the bottom boat. And they go, Master, don't you care that we perish? Jesus gets up and rebukes them. Why? Because it's not the first time we've dealt with this. It's not the first. You get rebuked after he's tried to teach you a lesson one, two, three times. And you're still asking him, don't you care about the die in this? It shows you missed a lesson from the beginning. Peter was supposed to have learned how to handle winds and waves. Watch this. He was a disciple, but Jesus was teaching him how to act as an apostle. He was teaching him as a disciple how to act in the calling he was about to step into. But Peter forfeited it when he stopped looking at the one who was teaching. How many things has God been trying to teach you that goes along with your destiny and your calling and your title in the kingdom and this is your third time through it don't you dare try to wake Jesus up and ask him you care about the dying this go back to the first time and ask him what were you trying to teach me from the beginning worship gets you that lesson worship gets you the answer to the lesson I've been through stuff time after time after time again and I felt that God was upset with me because he was trying to teach me this five times before I've been in a cycle. This happens every year, four, five, six, seven times. And I'm like, why am I keep going through this? Satan, you're a liar. No, don't rebuke the devil. Rebuke your mind. Go through yourself. Why, why do I get fearful? Say in the Bible, uh, uh, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who mess with your mind that you shouldn't obey the truth? What God is after is learn the lesson the first time. Because you're gonna because this thing is gonna come back up against you to try to see if it's really in you. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If it doesn't get in you through worship, you're gonna face it again. And you're gonna face it again, and you're gonna face it again, 
and you're going to face it again. And you're going to think God forsook you and the enemy's going to ride into that and tell you the church is your issue and people are your issue and you've been hurt by this and, it's not, and the issue ain't got nothing to do with none of that. The issue has to do with you. Because anything, that, anything that's happened to me, the issue came because of some entranceway in me that was wrong. See that? See that? See, look at y'all. I don't, I don't believe. I don't, see, because you got pride. This is why the church ain't growing because we don't like to take personal accountability. When David messed up with Bathsheba, he could have said, she was out here naked. She was out here naked. I messed up because this lady was out here. She saw me looking at her and she gave me a show. I'm a man. What am I supposed to do? Y'all don't want to say amen now. You want to know how David answered? He said, against thee and thee only. See, oh, Lord. Everybody shout personal responsibility. This dude was a, was a praiseologist. This dude was a dancer. He was a worshiper, but he was a freak too. Y'all don't like that. He's supposed to be out on, out on the battlefield. He over there watching Bathsheba getting a good show. Like, whoa. He, and it enthralled him so much that he, he got a whole scheme and a whole plot and a plan to get her. And watch this. Let me help you all for all y'all hot and heavy ones. God still, God still said he was a man after my own heart. But let me help you. You can be a man or woman after God's heart and go to hell. A man after God's own heart. That's a badge of honor. But you'll be right in hell. Like, what about the heart? What, about, what happened? Look what happened though. David, I'm done. David lost David lost, he lost the child that he got with Bathsheba because the consequence of God to him was you got this illegally. You had a baby with this woman after killing her husband and it all started because you were out of place from the beginning. And look what David did. If you really dissect that story, read it when you get a chance. David goes, he finds out that she was pregnant. He goes instantly into, into fasting and praying. Because he's like, God's going to do something to this. Because let me help you with something. As holy as you are, you know when you did something the wrong way. He went right into fasting and praying. He said, I ain't eating nothing. Leave me alone. He told his servants, get away from me. I'm, I'm fasting for my child. Then the, then the baby started having problems. And he says, God, please don't kill my baby. Please don't kill my baby. Please don't take the baby. Please don't And they came and told David, God took the baby. Baby's dead. How cruel is this? How cruel would God be? Take this man's baby. That's a life. But if the baby came illegally. Y'all don't like that. God rather said, I'd rather have a baby with me than to go down into what I believe is what I know is coming to him. This man's going to have a son that's going to try to kill him and come after the kingdom. He got daughters being raped and all, all this kind of stuff is happening. He loses the baby and the Bible said David gets up, takes the ashes off of his head, takes off the, 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 the sackcloth and the ashes and goes and eats and says, God has done what he's going to do. And after that, he didn't lose any more children. 
but the children he had turned against him. And, and the kingdom from that moment on was in trouble. All because David didn't keep his eyes upward. So when Isaiah says, I saw the Lord, we don't have time to get into this tonight, Lord, maybe we'll get into this next week. He says, I saw the Lord, he was high, lifted up, his train or his robe filled the temple I was in. Now think about this, if the robe that God was wearing filled the entire temple, which was this humongous place, if the back of God's robe filled that place, then God wasn't a little tiny little ant running through the, running through the temple. He said, I saw the Lord, he was high lifted up. His train, the, the, the back part of his robe. You ever, see, you ever seen a woman, a, a woman getting married in the back of the robe, they call that the, the back of her dress is a train. And they got somebody in the back trying to lay it all out. So when she's going down the aisle, it looks pure, perfect. The back part of what God was wearing, the Bible said, filled the entire temple. The entire, and I don't, I don't, have, I don't have, maybe next week I'll have all of the estima, estimations of how big the temple was. It filled the temple, right? Just, just the robe. And from the robe, he looks up and sees God. And he looks even higher and sees a seraphim with wings covering their face, wings covering their body, and other wings flying around the throne, crying not to God, but to each other. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. He's holy. And that's all they're doing. God says, for, from... For you to have, think about this, for Isaiah just to have that kind of visitation and that kind of a holy moment where God didn't show up but his, but his robe. He had this kind of visitation from the robe showing up. He got this kind of visitation from God's clothing falling in a temple. Imagine what will happen if we worship him. Because he says when you worship me, you're going to have encounters like Moses. You're going to come face to face. We ain't had worship experiences yet. We're getting there. But we ain't, we not have no face to face yet. Because if you have a face to face with him, you'll come out of that book and won't be able to go to work for a couple of days. They might be falling out there like, ah! They say about Catherine Kuhlman that they used to have to, uh, they used to have to take her through back entrances of hotels and back entrances of stores to shop and would have to clear out stores and whole, and whole kitchens because she would walk in a place and everybody would fall out dead under the power of God. They wouldn't die. They'd fall out as dead men for hours, 10, 11 hours, 12 hours. They would, they would be under the glory falling out, just fell out. She walked through just trying to get to her car and boom, boom, the, whole, the, whole, the whole kitchen is, has fallen under the power of God speaking in tongues and so having trances and seeing Jesus face to face just with her walking through. I want that kind of glory. I don't know about y'all. I don't, I, I don't want it to be like, oh, Bishop coming back right away. No, I want that kind of glory because I want that kind of relationship. She said, I got this kind of relationship. Watch this. From two things. From number one, being hurt by people. Now y'all like, I want that glory. No, you don't want that glory. She said, I got this by being hurt by people because it caused me, people hurting me was God's plan to get me to come to him. God used people's hurt of her. People's lies on her. People manipulating stuff. 
He said, it caused me to run to his presence. She got up to preach one time and the man said, this lady is a witch. And they shut the whole service down to her and told the whole city, don't receive her. And she left there and said her, hurt was, her heart was hurt for six to seven years behind that. She said, but what it did was it pushed me into having worship moments with him that are greater than anything I could ever write. That's, that, that's when you start realizing going through for his name's sake. We don't even understand what that means. When you suffer for righteousness sake and for his name's sake. Why? Because he wants his name on you at a greater glory. It'll even come through everybody turning their backs on you. But it should lead you not to bitterness. It should lead you to worship. It should lead you to saying, God, I don't even understand that, but it hurts me. And bring the hurt to worship. And let the hurt turn into miracle power. Let the hurt turn into, watch this, let the hurt turn into his glory. I bring this, because what do you do? Casting all of your cares on him. Take, bring your, stop crying on people's shoulders. And bring your tears into, into worship. Because the Bible said he bottles up every tear and when it's all over he's going to bless you for every tear you cried because you suffered and didn't and didn't kill somebody i preach a sermon one time i preach i preach a whole series of this tears in another direction because sometimes you cry to come down but other times you're crying to go in your ears tears in another direction. and god showed me that when i bottle up the tears it's a testimony to your hurt but it's also a testimony to the glory that came behind it. And what he does is, he says, I'm going to reward you for the tears. He has vials of tears. And I, I personally believe he pours the tears back as glory. Through worship. You, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, I'm done. You can't afford to say you love God, but don't worship him. You can't afford to say you honor him, but don't worship him. You can't afford to say, it's not about going to, going to nobody's church. It's about the relationship. The relationship I have with him caused me to come here to preach and serve and do what I got to do. I ain't here to do that because I love y'all so much. And I love y'all. I don't serve for y'all. I serve because in my worship time, he talks to me. Oh, I love that. And I talk back to him and this was going on. And, blah, blah, blah. and, he, and then he empowers me. So, oh, I love then I talk back to him and then, and then I don't say nothing and then the glory of God comes on me Whew. and it keeps going and it keeps, it keeps getting greater and it keeps getting greater and it keeps getting greater this is the relationship he desires to have with you he wants to walk with you he wants to talk with you and when I leave out of the worship encounter and I go and I'm paying my bills and I'm going to the store and I, I feel the presence come on me and I prophesy out of people and I pray for people. Why? Because I'm administering the glory now. Why? Because if I don't get rid of it, if I, don't, if I don't impart it, I'll never get refilled again with it. So the reason for the encounter is not to say, I saw Jesus. The reason for the encounter is for him to fill you and overflow you with it. So when you leave out of the encounter, you're a light everywhere you go. You're a magnet for people's pain. You're a magnet for people's tears. You're looking for situations to inject Jesus in. 
what's wrong? I lost my son in the name of Jesus. I didn't even ask you. I'm praying. See, what happens is I'm releasing the glory into the situation. I got pain in my body. It's leaving in two seconds. In the name of God. I ain't even got to touch you. But from here, pain leave. Jesus' name. And the pain goes, you're like, they're like, oh my God. You're like, oh my God. Because because it's not normal yet. It ought to be normal for Christians to be anywhere and see a situation. To see something happening and we step in. You watch the Avengers and all these, X-Men and all this stuff. What? The biggest thing behind the X-Men all of them is they're looking for something. There's an injustice somewhere. There's something happening and we have this power to take care of it. We have, we have power and the power ain't for us to be in church knocking people out. You got the Holy Ghost. You got power. The power is not for you to be in here speaking in a thousand tongues only. That power is to, is to help to keep you in his presence and then to go with you to look for injustices. Stuff that, that opposes the kingdom you're a part of. In my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name they'll cast out devils. So you should be looking for people who are demon possessed. Not running from them. This person crazy. Where they at? See y'all y'all see if you got power that's what you're looking for because you are after manifesting the power of God we're sons of God y'all quiet hallelujah we're sons of God and a son has the rights and privileges of the father how would God in the flesh handle this well we know how he handled it because Jesus came Jesus ain't run from the man had so many demons in him in the garden range he was cutting himself at night laying in tombs laying in, laying laying beside dead people they tried to put chains on him he broke him and said hey ain't nothing for me jesus showed up on the island the man ran to him and fell and worshiped him y'all missed this the man ran and worshiped him when the foot of jesus popped off the boat onto the island the demons in the man recognized we have no power against you they want to try to grow us too. You should, anybody who is in your family that's dealing with demonic influence, they got an eating disorder, they don't know their name, they, they're losing their mind, anything happening, you should have power that when you show up to the hospital, they should start telling the doctors, my auntie's here. She's somewhere in this room. She's coming up them steps. I feel, and it's not them, it's a demon that knows. Auntie's coming to pray. That's what I want. I'm, I'm looking for people like that. I love the outings. I love everybody. We need fellowship. We need to do something that just helps us to have a family. I love all of that. But more than that, we need power. Come on. I love bowling. I love eating dinners. I love all. I love eating chicken with y'all. I love eating salads and doing crafty. Tell me how many people you didn't visit in your lifetime. But more than that, more than all that, see, see, we want, see, this generation want, we want to be, we want to show, we want somebody to give us the entertainment. So we can be like, ooh, my quiet, ooh, my praise, ooh, the lights flicking off, and then, ooh, the smoke machine, and that, and that. But after that, who's getting delivered? Come on here, come on. I'm all for that. People have left the church because they said.
say, y'all ain't doing nothing outside that we need, we need fellowship. Well, fellowship then. But when you come here, come for power. I want power. I love all that. I love people. If you're going to leave here because we ain't got no, nothing to give you outside of the, uh, the time of church, God bless you. Maybe this might not be the church for you. I'm looking for people who want power. I'm looking for people who will leave here and go to their own, to go to the hospital and clear a floor out. I mean, we're going room to room. Let's go. We're going room to room. Come on. We're gonna go. Y'all take heart attack over there in cancer. We're going to take epilepsy and this over here. And we're going to meet in the middle because the one in the middle is a booger. That's, that's mine being lost. We're going to all come together. We're going to go that way. Go that way. We're going to meet back out here in 10 minutes because it don't take that long for God to move. That's what I'm after. That's what I'm after. I want to put the hospital out of business. Forget your I hate cancer post. Let's deal with cancer. Let's rebuke cancer. Let's tell cancer to come out the bones. Tell it to come out the brain. Tell it to come out of the Come on in. See, that's what I'm after. In my name, they'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. We can go to eat after that and have fellowship time. But if you ain't after power, you don't want to be around me. All right, stand to your feet. I'm after people who want power. This church is about going after people who want to experience the power. You want to show? This might not be the church for you. But if you want to have power to deal with your children, not argue, argue now, I'm talking about really deal with the spiritual issues and foundational issues. This church for you. Lift your hands up, we're going to pray. I want that kind of power. And I want to be around people who are hungry for God like that. I believe that's why God called this church. And I know it. Not just, not just for us to be people who have great music and great singing and, and great, great situations and great outings and great, great events. That's wonderful. But what does it mean if, if we're not going in, into the highways and the hedges? What does it mean if we're not compelling men and women to Jesus? What does it mean if we walk by somebody who's sick and they stay sick because we don't have enough power to pray for them? What does it mean? What does all that mean? It means nothing. Our get-togethers, our socials, our smoke and mirrors, our lights down in worship, all that means nothing if we don't have power to deal with issues. And I believe that God, the heart of God is pulling us to love his presence so much that he can shower his glory. We can be entrusted because we, 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 we have turned our hearts to be a people of worship of him. we'll just worship him and he'll draw us closer he'll draw nigh to us as we draw nigh to him and he'll empower us to do great and mighty miracles not for our glory but for his glory not so we can be interviewed by the papers but so that God can get the glory out of us by allowing that same presence and glory that's around the throne to be channeled through us in the earth we're the hungry people for the presence we're the hungry people for the glory. We're the people who are hungry for it. People who are willing to still turn their plates over. People who are still willing to fast when the church doesn't call one. 
the people who are still willing to consecrate their lives and consecrate and tell their flesh no and tell their minds come into order and read the word and study the word and become students of the word and pray without ceasing and get in the glory and make wrong things right and forgive one another and come back to the table again and say I'm sorry and say it was my fault and even if it doesn't mean when we fellowship again let's get it right come on where is that where are those people at because that's what God is looking for because that's what God needs I'm not trying to pack out a church to pack out a church I'm trying to pack out a church so we can have more people that have the glory so more families can get saved so more people can know who Jesus is so that the saints can have encounters with Jesus so we can have encounters with him face to face so we can have encounters with him we can have encounters like Isaiah and see the Lord high and lifted up now father as our hands are lifted these your people I commend them into your hands Lord we just want you we just want you we want your power we want your glory we want you to use us that's what we want we want you to use us we want you to use us we want you to use us that's our hearts cry use us for your glory use us for your glory come on open your mouth and just pray come on let that prayer come on up use us for your glory help us to get things right between us and you use us for your glory help us to be a church and a bride without spot or wrinkle we want your glory we want your power we want your presence we want to have encounters with you oh god we want you to teach us through the holy ghost how to discern times and seasons we want you to teach us through the holy ghost how to walk in truth and to discern truth from a lie in the name of jesus we just want you we want to be used by you to lay hands on the sick and not see them recover in stages but see them instantly recover we want to lay hands on the sick and see them come out of wheelchairs come out of come out of deathbeds come out of comas get free from cancer free from bone diseases free from mind disease hey we want to see lung cancer be dissipated blood disorders healed we want to see it we want to be those that you use to do it we want to cast devils out we want to see people who are filled with demons come to know you as Jesus and Lord and Savior we want to be able to lay hands on people and disorders that have plagued them since they were children come off of them and come out of them we want to be used by you we want to be used by you time is out for this this fake level of church time is out for this entertainment church we want the power of your glory show us your glory let us have encounters with your glory show us your power let us have encounters with you not for vain glory not so people can say that it was us but so we can push them back to you the true author and finisher of our faith 
who want to be used by you. This generation hasn't seen the power of God yet. We want this generation to experience the glory. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory. And we want it. We, your people, want it. Come on, if you want it, reach up. Come on, open your mouth and pray. We want it. We want it. We want it. We want it. This is our cry.